Welcome to Ask Cadence, everybody. My name is Pete Wright. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm sitting around the table with John Patton. Hello, John. Hello, Pete. Good to see you. And Good Scott Blissett once again is joining us. Hi, Pete. Good to see you too, sir. Same here. We are picking up a discussion we started last week, which was I thought was so interesting. We talked uh, on, flat right on and on about it. Uh, the, uh, this is the idea of the importance of behavioral models to project management, behavioral models of human behavior. Uh, and we talked about the individual models there and, and broke down some of the, uh, the various instruments that are important and, and uh, gave some guidance on where, uh, where they can be used and where they are, are best not uh, it used. This week we're going to continue on this, this idea of behavioral models but focusing on the group and group behavior. Uh, I'm interested uh, how this works. I think if you've been in a business meeting you've been through the individual stuff uh, but, but group behavior is, is not quite as prevalent. So where do you start with uh, understanding group behavior for project management, Scott? Well I think the first place where we have to start is by recognizing that um, most projects, uh, if not all, uh, have, have teams. Uh, so uh, you've got more than one person um, working on a project. Sometimes you may have 5, 10, 15, 20, sometimes um, much, much more than that, uh, 50, 60, 80 uh, people on a, on a large project team. Uh, and it's, it's uh, been uh, very well shown that people behave differently in team settings than they do individually. Uh, and um, some of us may have heard the term groupthink. And uh, this is a, a term that was uh, coined to explain how sometimes groups can make worse decisions than individuals can. Um, and uh, it is because uh, people uh, have all kinds of things going through their minds as they're a member of a group. And um, so we're going to talk about a couple of models uh, that have been uh, developed for uh, looking at uh, group behavior. Um, now, Scott, as, John, as, yeah. as, as, a, as, a be, as a historian for the team, I went back to origins of um, individual group behavior and talked about Hippocrates, 400 BC. Well, you know, there's, uh, this stages of group development goes back in history to the early 1950s. And this was the field of sociology and it focused on task group behavior. And um, it, it even uh, focused on sizes of groups, you know, for a half a dozen up to a dozen people. Well, doesn't that coincide so nicely with project teams and the core project team? I think, Scott, you're going to talk about a couple that have survived the test of time and happen to be the two dominant uh, models of uh, group development uh, still uh, at work today. Yeah. And uh, let's start with uh, um, one from uh, Bruce Tuckman. This goes back to the 1960s. And uh, this is one that uh, some people may have heard and remembered because it's got a nice catchy rhyme to it. And this talks about the sequence of stages that a group will go through uh, from the very beginning uh, when they first start working together till the end. And it's called forming, storming, norming, performing, and then adjourning, although adjourning, <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> but, but that doesn't rhyme as well, right? <laughs> um, and so 
the reason this is important to, to know is because if you have a kickoff meeting for a project and the team uh, seems to be fighting amongst themselves, uh, representatives from different, fun different functional groups within the company uh, seem to be uh, arguing with each other. Some people may be presenting their own agenda uh, and um, uh, the project manager may be panicking inside and saying, oh my goodness, how are we all going to work together? Um, if, if that project manager knew that going through some of these phases is a normal part of team development, then they wouldn't be so worried. So let's look at the first one, forming. Uh, this is the phase where uh, it is that initial kickoff meeting where people are sitting at the table for the first time. They may be uh, a little bit uh, reluctant to speak at first. Uh, they want to see who's there. Uh, they may, uh, um, maybe they want to uh, play it safe. Um, and so this, this could be um, the uh, quiet before the storm, uh, so to speak. Um, but then we go to the storming phase, and this is where uh, people are going to put on the table uh, exactly what they need to put on the table. Uh, so it, it could be that they have a mission from uh, the IT department. Someone from the IT, the, the, the IT department has been told that uh, they need to uh, make sure that uh, any new project that starts um, uh, 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 takes into account uh, the new IT procedures. And it doesn't matter what the project manager says or what anybody on the team says, they're going to get that idea across and they're going to fight for it. And it just so happens that this is the forum that you're going to see it in. So storming, you're taking into account your own allegiances on, on behalf of, uh, would that be a fair word, uh, allegiance? and. And, and yeah. leveraging that in the team environment? Yeah, and it, uh, uh, Pete, it could be the department agenda or it could be one's own individual agenda. Uh, a person who is a, a real technical specialist may have, uh, well, they may be a purist. And so they may have their particular approach or agenda that they want to insert uh, on this project. Or, yeah, or, and, and that, that could be they want to see a uh, certain um, architecture for the, for the system. And they, they know that uh, the project manager has uh, described a different one, but you know what? They're going to fight for it. it and it, they're going to fight for it here. It, it strikes me that at this, even at, at this point, just because you say it's a team does not make it so. Uh, right, I mean, here's a, a group of people sitting together in a room, but they're not really a team yet. If they were a team yet, so these issues would be easier to mitigate. Is Those are right? often the terms that you you hear. So sure. They're a yeah. designated team, yeah. but they haven't become a constructive working team okay. yet. Well, okay. they haven't worked through the, the, the issues or the phases that they need to work through to become a uh, well-forming team. All right, so here we okay, so then we stormed. Right, so, so once that's uh, out on the table, uh, people then, um, uh, once they've been heard, then they can now uh, relax and now start to do their jobs. Once they've gotten everything on the table, uh, they can now move on uh, to norming. Uh, um, and uh, then you go on to performing. So. Um, Norming uh, is where you've really uh, now formed the 
uh, framework for successfully working together and then in the, the performing phase now you do it. Uh, and then at the end uh, now you celebrate your success and you send everybody back. Cue, cue music and uh, so tearful goodbye. How does this apply exactly. to effective project management by the project manager? In describing this one, Pete, I'm going to use an alternative uh, structure which is called Cog's Ladder and this was developed by George Charrier at Procter & Gamble. Now this was the 70s, but it's still around today. Uh, for forming in the Tuckman model, uh, he divided it into two phases. Polite, which is we get introduction from everybody, and why are we here? Uh, his observation was that teams need a purpose. So we need to answer that early on. Uh, the use of a project objective statement is very good. Fly to Mars and take pictures in six years for six billion dollars. Some sort of thing that gives them the bounds of their authority. They were formed as a team to do this kind of thing. That answers why are we here. And uh, there could be some discussion as to the details behind and how the project got authorized. Now storming is called bid for power. It has the same definition. The project manager needs to move a team through these earlier phases quickly. How do we do it? We've got to start defining the project. One of the things we recommend is having a parking lot for these issues and agendas that come up and uh, we apply what's called a five minute rule. If we discuss something for five minutes and it hasn't been resolved, we at least acknowledge it by writing it down in the parking lot. And we continue moving through the steps of planning. Now, where does, does this need to be resolved? Well, part of planning is to have an objective statement as you have to develop the scope of the project. And part of scope is to put together what's known as a work breakdown structure. That's a hierarchical view of work. Often you see people starting to come together as they realize what the different pieces of work of the project are at a detailed level, at a, at a task level. That's when they can become constructive. So norming occurs while they're developing an understanding of the project uh, and we reach um, what's called the performing or constructive level. All teams to function must reach this fourth level. Now, there was a fifth level, uh, which um, um, Charrier called esprit de corps. And that occurs, uh, they just like the way they can produce results together. And when the project is over, they don't want to break up. Um, that was called uh, adjourning or mourning uh, by Tuckman. And there have been some teams that looked for phase two. They want to stay together. They'll propose more productive work. They start looking around uh, for what they can do. And then there's just one more thing to understand about the stages of group development. Uh, it has uh, been proven over and over again that when a new team member is introduced, the group tends to go backwards and reestablish, go through these uh, stages uh, and regroup itself a little faster, but assimilation of a new person goes through the stages of development. So in each of all of these cases, the project manager's job is to accelerate movement to a performing or to a constructive level. Well, that was going to be my very next question. It's like you were reading my mind. How does a, does a project manager uh, insinuate 
themselves into the process and at what points? I mean, there are some points, it seems, in this development process that you just have to go through. You have to go through the forming yeah. and storming okay. phases. But, but how does the project manager jump in and say, you know, we need to, we need to move this forward? Let's. Well, uh, if the project manager tries to cut off some of the more unpleasant phases, like the storming phase or the bid for power, if the, if the project manager cuts that off, after 10 seconds. You know, we're not going to have any arguing on this on this project. You know what? That stuff is going to come out and it's 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 going to come out anyway. And it's going to be at a much more painful place. And and, and it's going to be much harder as as uh, John said to to get to that cons constructive or performing phase. Uh, so in some ways the project manager has to just let this play out. Um, but not too long. And that's where the judgment comes in. Okay. Yeah. So um, your your question was, when does a project manager insert themselves? Well, right from the beginning. And this is really called leadership. So in bid for power, you let a person talk, and you let people discuss. However, we've put this limit of five minutes on there. Now, sometimes there will be a judgment call to let it go on a little longer. But when the issue is written down in the parking lot has got to be written in the words of the person who first raised that issue and they have to be satisfied with it. So they're coming to, to some kind of closure that says, well, my issue has been recognized. Yeah, we can go ahead with planning and I'm confident that we'll address it later on. What really turns off people, as Scott says, is when they feel their issue has not been recognized and then they become this broken record. They will continually try and you may have seen people uh, three or four or five times. The problem with this project is going to be, and that becomes how they, uh, and they, they, they insert themselves. Yeah. And they say the same thing over and over again. Well, something else to keep in mind here is that different companies or different organizations have different cultures. And in some organizations, it may be the culture uh, to be very consensus-driven. And so uh, you may find that uh, everybody expects to be heard, everybody expects their concerns to be addressed before you move on. Uh, now the project manager has to be cognizant of the culture, but at the same time they have to, uh, as, as John said, know when to lead the team uh, beyond uh, um, a uh, phase if they're getting stuck. Well, and it seems like, uh, you know, what both of you have just talked about really uh, sets the standard for doing that. First of all, you let the pieces that need to flow, flow. Let the hard stuff happen. But you make sure you're setting a consistent rule set, right? Rules of the sandbox, if they're applied consistently, uh, builds confidence, does it not? Yeah, it, it, it's all part of leadership sure. and project control. Now, we all keep Guinness Book of, of World Records here on, on the worst cases that we've been called in to consult. And uh, in mine is of a project team uh, in a financial institution that, that had been what Scott described as open-ended, you have to let people uh, talk, and, and they had been in norming, and they called it role definition for two months. Now, they had a lot of warm, fuzzy feeling about each other, but no work was getting out, and uh, the management called us in for consulting help to, to break through this sort of gridlock of of getting to understand each other. Did that two months end up making it easier to do that? 
Oh yeah, it, yeah. it closed very quickly. Yeah. But you know, you can do it faster than sure. this. Well, yeah. well, the other thing I wanted to mention too is that uh, the uh, team members will feel better uh, and relax if they know that the project manager knows what they're doing. And so if you come to the table with a, with a sound methodology and you're explaining to the team what we're doing, why we're doing it, and when we're doing it, uh, they'll feel much better. Uh, if they feel like there's a, there's a gap in understanding or capability at the project manager level, people may uh, feel they have to jump in and try to guide the project. Uh, and, and, and that can be very disruptive and you'll, you'll never get into the performing phase. I, another fascinating discussion on this. I'm, I'm thrilled that we're carrying this over several weeks. Uh, thank you both for, for your uh, time and input this morning. Uh, on behalf of Scott Lissett and John Patton, I'm Pete Wright. Thank you to all of you who've downloaded this week's show and we will be with you next week on Ask Cadence.